from Fresh Air Studios in Plymouth. This is In Conversation With, the podcast from Devon and Plymouth Chamber of Commerce. With special guests, Jackie Grubb of City College Plymouth. I am absolutely fascinated with the brain and mindset and how the brain works. And there's a clear route for vocational education and there's a clear route for academic education. And Paul Philpot from Fresh Air Studios. It's one of those things where the answer to the question, what do you do as a business, depends on who's asking the question, because we do so many different things, but it all evolves around audio. Hi there, I'm Stuart Elford, Chief Executive of Devon and Plymouth Chamber of Commerce, here with Jackie Grubb from City College Plymouth as part of our In Conversation With podcast series. Welcome, Jackie. Thank you, Stuart. So you're not a Plymouthian, how dare you? What (laughs) brought you to our fine city? (laughs) Well, I've been in education for over 30 years and have a passion for people and making a difference. So what brought me to Plymouth really was that there's areas of deprivation that we can make a difference in education to those areas. What also brought me to Plymouth, that it's an ocean city and a love for the southwest. Had you been here before you came to City College for the role? Well, I'd only been here once before and that was to attend a funeral. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, So that's quite ironic, actually. Yeah, just once before. But we obviously didn't put you off. I mean, you came back for more. (laughs) Well, to be perfectly honest Stuart I had had my eye on the college for quite some time so even though I hadn't been to Plymouth before as I said I've got a passion for education and making a difference so had my eye on the college looked at the culture and the opportunity at what the college could give locally and nationally and maybe globally it was something I had my eye on for quite some time. So it's not the fact that it had some really fantastic alumni like myself. (laughs) So you like the college because of the challenges because of what it could bring. I love the college, but I've been here 19 months now and I'm in love with the city. And I think number one... It's all about people for me. So whether it's the people at the college or the people in the city, that is a huge attraction on top of the opportunities of where a place of learning can make a difference to its community. Definitely. And I suppose when you took the role, who could have foreseen what was going to happen with the pandemic? I mean, it was a tough time for education anyway, with the pandemics made it even harder. What's next for City College? How do you manage that? How have you managed it? How are you going forward from here? Yeah, I mean, that's a really good question. But actually, as I sort of started my new job at City College Plymouth, you know, around 19 months ago, one of the first things I did was start to formulate a new strategic plan. So when the pandemic hit us, we were already on a great journey of what we wanted to look like, what was our purpose and what was our strategic direction of travel. So COVID has only accelerated that. So COVID has created lots of opportunities for us as an educational establishment. It's funny, isn't it? There's obviously a lot of bad things have come with COVID and, you know, we really feel for those who got ill and so forth. But for business and for a lot of sectors, it has accelerated things. So we do things via Zoom. We do things that we probably should have done years ago. Mm -hmm. It's accelerated our digital strategy greatly. It was something that was one of our strategic actions anyway, but it's enabled us to evolve even quicker and reach that potential 
potential of where we need to be to create the college of the future. Well, funnily enough, I was going to ask you, what is the college of the future? If you look 20 years ahead, how is education going to be different? Will it have buildings? You know, you think of an educational institution as a building, usually, to start with, don't you? It's a place you go to. So what's education going to look like in 20 years' time? Yeah, I mean, the college of the future is around partnerships, collaboration, really being aligned with the plans of its local community, also being aligned with its employers and ensuring that employers have a real focus and a huge involvement in terms of what is the curriculum delivery for the 21st century. And as I said, we were on that journey anyway, so that has accelerated it. So it's about collaboration, not competition, working with other educational providers. And what I would really like to see is a clear route map from primary school right through to university, right through to jobs mm-hmm. and you know that will be a mission accomplished for me you've kind of almost answered one of the questions i'm going to ask you later actually but now that's interesting does the system allow you to do that at the moment because our members our employers your employers that you mentioned there are really keen that the skills that people have match their need but historically i would suppose that some education institutions are sort of financially rewarded more for delivering things that aren't necessarily matching the needs of the local community so that journey you've just mentioned do you think that's going to come to pass are you able to do that yeah and we have to look at that as an opportunity we have three strategic curriculum pathway actions and they clearly align with the Plymouth plan and they also align with the Resurgam plan and in line with the skills gaps and the retraining and upskilling of the local need so that is something really exciting that if we get together with all those stakeholders then we are producing the workforce for the future which is much needed yeah city college has got a place at everyone's hearts i mean i joked about at the start i am alumni i went there day release when i was in the police service i knew one day i want my own business so i did a business studies course so i think people hold it to their hearts and that's something i guess you've got to protect that and whilst developing it and moving it forward and what have you Stuart, something that i am so privileged and humbled with and is unique to plymouth is that there's an all-in-it-together approach. So you can spend years forging relationships with stakeholders and employers, but there is something very unique about Plymouth that everybody is passionate about making the city as best as it possibly can. The boards that are in the city, so like the Employment and Skills Board, underpins you know what curriculum needs to be provided for the job need for employers so it's all there for the taking the local council are also really active in supporting so i've got the best job in the world well i would disagree because i think my job is fantastic <laughs> and i've got to say that because my directors are listening no no i genuinely do but i know your job isn't easy i mean you know you don't no. run a college <laughs> It's not easy. So how do you develop that personal resilience and how do you relax from that? What do you do to, I'm going to be brutal, how do you have to be so tough? How do you get so tough? (laughs) And how do you then come down from that at the end of the day? Yeah, I mean, my biggest passion is people. And beyond that as well, health and well-being is true to my heart. And one of our priorities is that the staff are our greatest investment and also the students are our purpose. And I strongly believe that I should be a role model and I should lead by example. So that is something that I really focus on. 
So looking after myself is really important. So I do spend a lot of time making sure that I have the right nutrition, that I exercise and that I do other things other than the day job so that I can perform the best I possibly can for the staff, for the students and for the community. Well, you touched on the fact you come to Plymouth because it's an ocean city. So do you have a love of the ocean? Have you got into being on the water, in the water, under the water? Yeah. So one of my greatest passions is yoga. Something that I've been doing for many, many years is yoga. At the moment, I'm actually doing my yoga teacher training because when we first went on lockdown, the South West were providing a virtual yoga teacher training. So I thought, right, I'll try that just to support my health and well-being. But actually, it's gone beyond that now because I do have a love for the water and I do sea swim and I have been paddleboarding a few times. So what I'm looking at the future is to do yoga on a paddleboard and ensure that I complete the three boys at Devil's Point in my sea swimming. Wow. Well, stand up paddleboarding or as I call it, knee up paddleboarding, because I never (laughs) got much further than the knee up bit before there was a sort of loud splashing sound as I crashed into the water and Greenpeace sent a boat to drag me ashore. I love being on the water. I mean, we are currently speaking in studios in Cremel Street, which is just yeah. opposite Admiral's Heart, and you're not far from here, are you? I'm just several steps down the road. I haven't quite put my wetsuit on. I went sea swimming a couple of days ago, but I can actually get changed and be at Devil's Point within minutes and then come back and shower and move on. So that's really, really good for me. Well, it's very brave. <laughs> I mean, everyone's telling me I should do it, this sea swimming thing, but it's... It's exhilarating. Uh, is it? Mm-hmm. Not cold, but mm-hmm. exhilarating. Yeah. There's something called the vagus nerve. And when it hits the vagus nerve, it hits every system to rebalance you. I would try it. Okay, well, that's my challenge then (laughs) to do that. Still to come, Paul Philpott from Fresh Air Studios. Don't be ashamed about sharing your problems and asking for the help from friends, your colleagues and, you know, your peers. Follow the Devon and Plymouth Chamber of Commerce on Twitter at Chamber underscore Devon and search for us on LinkedIn. Make sure you don't miss out on future episodes. Hit subscribe now. I mean, you talked about learning yoga and that you're passionate about people. How do you recruit people who are equally passionate? Because I look back at my time in school and my two favourite subjects, English and physics, I look back probably because the teachers were so good. We had an English teacher called Clive Burrows who was an absolute inspiration, sadly taken in his mid-50s. He was passionate and enthusiastic and he knew how to get a bunch of 15 year old boys because I went to Devonport High School for boys he knew how to get us excited about Shakespeare who knew I can remember him walking into the classroom and starting with shall I compare thee to a summer's day thou art more lovely and more temperate and we're all sort of bored and picking our noses and gazing <laughs> out the window and he said shall I tell you why this is important we're all like yeah whatever sir you know he said because if you say this to a girl you're in and it's like what 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 sorry what you know and he knew how to tap into our passions and our interests and I've had a love of English ever since. So how do you capture those sort of people? How do you get people who can instill that enthusiasm in people? Yeah, I learned from a very early age that when people put a lot of pressure on me, then I wouldn't perform as well. Mm. And my philosophy now, after you know my years of experience and hopefully gaining some wisdom, is about coaching and nurturing and supporting people to develop into their best and fullest potential. Mm. And that's what I think works. So when you believe in people, people and you empower people 
and support and develop them, then they do their absolute best. And that's something that I've embedded in the college so that people can take risks, people are empowered and people take accountability and responsibility to do their jobs. And that's something in terms of culture that we've got a large focus on right now. I think that's really powerful. I mean, I went on a bit of a journey with my leadership. I did the chartered management qualification through the CMI and did it through the experience route where you do a lot of reflective work about how things have happened. And I look back at my time in the police service, which is a uniform discipline pyramid style structure of authority I suppose which I had assumed is how leadership works but actually Mm. you're right leadership works about empowering other people and Mm. I learned a lot actually from Steve Statham who's the chief executive of the hospice and when he took over he sort of flipped it kind of on its head and said my job is just to empower and engage the Mm. staff to do their jobs as best as they can to give them the tools they need to do the job and I think that's really really powerful I try and do the same yeah absolutely i absolutely agree you know i'm looking at that will i be needed in five years time because everybody would just do their job naturally (laughs) (laughs) well there is again i'm worried because my directors might be listening but there is an (laughs) argument in america i don't actually subscribe to this that a chief executive should make themselves redundant in five years I get the theory behind that. What I think is a chief executive should make themselves redundant when they've run out of ideas, when they're no longer creating, innovating, inspiring. And when that ends, then's the time to say, I'm not adding value now. Yep. And that's a long way in front of me because the opportunities and, you know, what we've got in front of us to grab hold of is huge. So I'm very excited about that. Yeah. And what are the opportunities, not just for City College, but for, and we've talked a lot about Plymouth. I should say we are Devon and Plymouth Chamber of Commerce, of course. Yep. We cover the wider Devon, but of course, you're principal of City College and hence talking a lot about Plymouth but what are the opportunities not just for the college but for Devon for the region what are our opportunities going forward do you think? Yeah I mean the opportunities we're an ocean city so there's maritime there's manufacturing there's construction in the built environment and all those areas are quite well established already and you know I'm very close to the other principals in Devon and we are very focused in terms of that we want to collaborate and make things bigger and brighter and things are very much more successful when you do collaborate. There's also the health agenda. So, you know, we've got one of the biggest hospitals in Europe. In terms of the pandemic as well, the opportunities of collaborating with the hospitals, with LiveWell, with the SMEs, there's huge potential to, as I say, create the workforce for the future. Yeah, I think our dream, as I chair British Chambers of Commerce Southwest, and our dream is to say that we want people to be able to do whatever job they want to do, wherever they want to do it. And I think the opportunities for the Southwest are around the fact that the pandemic has shown you can work from anywhere you don't have to commute into a big metropolis you know you can set up the business you want anywhere you want to do it and 10 minutes later like you've said you can be swimming in the sea or on the moors i think it's a massive opportunity for the region if we grasp it yeah and we had one of the directors of the marco pierre white restaurant as a guest speaker for our hospitality students this week right And she was based in London. Now, that might not have ever happened if we weren't in a pandemic. And the students embraced it and absolutely loved it. But also it gave them an industrial focus, you know, of what's out there to create their own futures. Absolutely. Well, you know, I worked with you guys to get the tall ship Pelican to Plymouth last year. And fortunately, we were able to put a bunch of young people on that boat who'd never thought about a career 
on the water or in environmental sciences and three quarters of them when they came off said that's what I want to do I either want a job on a boat and they didn't even know they had that opportunity that there were jobs like that that they could do yeah and three quarters of them said either on the water or in some sort of marine or environmental sciences so it's about opening up those opportunities to these young people and showing them what can be done yeah definitely and also the culture that we want at the college is one of a family culture you know if your parent works at the college that we open their families with open arms the same with the schools you know collaboration with the schools so that even at primary school parents or children or other stakeholders know what's on offer in the city so they can aspire to reach their full potential yeah that's putting the student at the front isn't yeah, it and saying yeah. it's what's right for the student because um, you won't mind me saying city college wouldn't be right for every student nope. a levels wouldn't be right for every student nope. university isn't right for every student it's about making sure the structure is there for each and every student to realize their potential yeah I am absolutely fascinated with the brain and mindset and how the brain works. And there's a clear route for vocational education and there's a clear route for academic education. And also it depends where people are in their lives of how they choose to learn. And that goes along with virtual learning as well. We've got access courses that are 100% online and the adult students want to do it 100% online and then they achieve and then they are reskilled and upskilled to do something else. And then you may have another student who may want more pastoral care and needs more support and needs to come into college. So it's about creating that learning environment for the future for that individual student. Yeah, I completely get it. I mean, people learn in different ways. They want different things and it's the days of it's this way or no way is... I left school after O-levels. I just wasn't right for that, or the education system wasn't right for me, or I wasn't right for it. So it's great that it's opening up more. And if you look back in 10, 15 years' time, what for you would qualify as a success? What would you say, God, we really made a difference because if there was one thing you could change, if it was that, ah, we did it, we got that thing done, that one thing, what would it be? Well, for me, it's about staff and students waking up in the morning and wanting to come to city college to learn and that we are the learning destination of choice to underpin that to stick to our values of ownership respect and integrity but also being the college of the future in terms of the digital agenda that we're providing the right curriculum to put people into jobs and to complete the skills gaps of what employers need. I've said more than one there, haven't I? That's allowed. No, that's allowed. I'm the same. I I would struggle to name one thing as a success. You know, for me, I'm very proud of this region. I've been talking to Hannah Harris from Plymouth Culture and we were talking about the taxi driver test. I would like to think that one day you get in a cab and before you even ask them they say, oh have you checked out the box? Have you been to the Theatre Royal? Have you done this? And are really passionate and proud of our city Mm. and get that sense of civic identity and pride that I think the National Marine Park will help with. And are you guys involved with that project? We are. I'm on the board of the National Marine Park as Ah, well. I did not know that. Yeah, I can promise you that wasn't scripted. (laughs) I didn't even know. No, I think that's a really exciting Very exciting. And whoever we are everybody can take a part in that and again it puts Plymouth on the map well definitely and that's what it needs I think Mm. it needs that identity and pride yeah which is sometimes missing men here but I think when I was at school and in my first years in business I can remember people saying Plymouth is a city with potential Mm. and for once at last I'm hearing Plymouth is a city that is realizing its potential absolutely and I think it's waking up like a slumbering giant is just realizing wow Look at what we have. Mm. It's the most exciting job that I've ever had. And 
what is there for the taking is absolutely huge. And on that subject of the sort of most exciting job, why did you want to be a principal of City College? And was there anyone who inspired you on that journey? They don't have to be in the education world, but have you got a hero? Have you got someone you look at and go, wow? Well, I'm afraid, Stuart, that I never, ever thought that I was going to be a principal or wanted to be a principal. So Mm. I started out teaching health and I was a teacher. When I first set out, I was in industry and making a difference to people was my passion. So that was my inspiration. Teaching was, you know, what I loved and what I did as a job. Because I like to make a difference and want to achieve things for other people, then I just accidentally fell into where I am now. And there will always be a teacher in me because teaching, learning and assessment in the student journey is the most important thing in education. Mm. So whether you're the principal or the cleaner or any member of staff, holistically, that builds up into one organisation and one team to deliver the best for that organisation, for their local community. Do you miss that? Do you miss the front of the classroom thing, the teaching, the imparting knowledge, the real hands-on nurturing? (laughs) Yeah, I do, because I do go into teacher mode. So if I do presentations, (laughs) and because I talk so loudly, I go into teacher mode. But in the next year, I am going to go back into the classroom because I've already mentioned that I like to lead by example. And our science department has already asked if I could go and do a workshop and a lecture to those students students and I'm definitely going to do that and I would love to do that. I think it'd be fascinating you know you should never get too far from the shop floor should yeah, you? Yeah. It's funny you should say teacher mode when you said that I found myself sitting upright <laughs> thinking oh am I behaving myself you have got that very powerful sort of gravitas of a teacher. Thank you. Yeah, well it was meant as a compliment it wasn't meant as a I'm scared of you kind of thing. So what's the best bit of advice you've ever been given, whether it was before this job or generally? What was the best piece of advice you were given? Yeah, to be authentic and to be yourself. And that's, again, which I feel that I am such a good match to Plymouth because in my job, I am totally myself. Mm. So whether you see me on a Monday, a Friday or a Sunday, I'm still Jackie Grubb. Mm. And who is Jackie Grubb? What do you do with yourself? (laughs) We've heard a bit about yoga. We've heard a bit about paddleboarding. What fills you with joy? What fills me with joy is my family and my grandchildren. I have two grandchildren and they are my absolute passion. Well, I think seeing your grandchildren grow up is just a fantastic, it's a joy and a privilege, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. When I see my grandchildren, it makes my heart melt. And they bring back that inner child, that innocence, and just puts everything in perspective. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, that's lovely. Jackie, it's been great to talk to you. And thank you for joining us. And thank you for City College being such a good partner of the Chamber of Commerce. You talked about collaboration and partnerships. We're so much stronger when we're together. We're not in competition. We're working together. We love working with you guys. And thank you so much for coming in and joining me. That's my pleasure, Stuart. Thank you very much for having me. Thank you. Now, Chambermaid, introducing business owners from across the southwest. Hello and welcome back to In Conversation with Chamber Podcast. This is part two, Chambermaid, where we get to speak to Chamber members about their business. And it would have been very remiss of us not to include our next guest, having very kindly allowed use of his studios and all his team and all his technology to bring you these podcasts. So we're actually speaking to Paul Philpot from Fresh Air Studios. Hello, Paul. Hello. And so Paul has just told me that he doesn't like being the side of the microphone. I don't mind being in front of the microphone in terms of the person who's asking the questions, but I'm not really a big fan of being the person who's 
being interviewed, but you know, shy and modest that you are. Payback time eventually. Yeah, it's got to come back to you sooner or later, hasn't it? So tell us about Fresh Air Studios. I've got to be honest. I knew that you guys have done some audio work. I think a previous business used you to do the sort of on hold stuff, but I didn't really understand your business or the reach you've got. Yeah, well, if you figure out what it does, please do tell me because <laughs> it's one of those things where the answer to the question "What do you do as a business?" depends on who's asking the question because we do so many different things but it all evolves around audio we're very passionate about audio we're very passionate about good audio and deploying it and using it to communicate a message in the best way possible so we will do things like this for example recording podcasts and we do that for some rather cool big firms we also have another side of the business that records something called ivr systems which is the audio that drives telephone interfaces you know when you check the Mm. balance on your bank or you order a re-delivery from the royal mail okay that kind of thing we also produce audio for commercials and we also record narrations for film and tv and various other projects for broadcasting so quite a lot of different things the areas don't necessarily overlap but they're all using audio. And not many of them Plymouth customers. No. Even though you're based here in Crummel Street, looking over the water, it's very lovely. Yeah. It's something that I want to change, Mm. and really proactively, which is why we're working so hard with the Chamber, because we think that the kind of stuff that we do for... This is going to sound a bit wanky. The things that we do for the big boys, we think we can repackage and do for businesses of our size, because we're tiny. And I kind of feel that if there was somebody who was able to provide solutions for businesses of our size and have the kind of reach and help smaller businesses communicate themselves and what they do, that would be really beneficial and a help to the business world. I was going to say size isn't important, but we can't go down that route. So, Paul, where did this come from? Where did the idea for Fresh Air come from? What were you doing before? How did it start and how long ago? Good grief. 22, 23 years ago, I was driving with my partner down towards Pennington Quick Roundabout and I was going to the radio station that I worked at at the time, Plymouth Sound. I was a presenter at Just Plymouth Just off Elmer Road, I remember Indeed, it, yeah. yeah. And we were listening to commercials on the radio and we thought they were generally pretty naff. And we thought we could set up a production company that could make better radio commercials. Mm. And so we did. And we also knew a few local actors or voiceover artists. And at the time as well, there was no way that voiceover artists could publicise what they do and put their showreels online. There was this new thing called the internet. Who knew? Who knew? So the other side of the business, we set up to establish a voiceover agency. And it was one of the very first voiceover agencies that's online. So new, it predates Google. Wow. And the rest is history. We just kind of let the business morph as the needs of the world required it. So you do voiceovers. <laughs> Here he goes again. I'm just doing my showreel voice now. I am available See, I for voiceovers. No, you shouldn't. It's, it's terrible, isn't it? I sound like a sort of dodgy version of Terry Thomas or something. Oh, hello. Actually, you know? <laughs> I'm going to say and put it on record that you've done, good grief, probably 20 interviews now as part of this series that we've been recording. I think you've done extremely, very, very well. Oh, bless you. Maybe a career in the future. Absolutely. That'd be very, very kind. And you've now got some you know, huge names that you work with. So I am sitting in a seat that has seen some famous bums on it it has yes Yes. tell us are you allowed to tell us Um, yes we have done a lot of work for an absolutely marvelous lady who i'm very pleased now say is a friend of the studio dawn french and she's brought quite a few of her peers to the studios obviously jennifer saunders we worked on a project with them called titting about which was the return of french and saunders and that is available on audible and through her and the introductions that she's given us we've worked with the likes of netflix and 20th century fox 
Sony to do voiceovers for some very high-profile computer games, stuff for Channel 4, Channel 5, live links for broadcast. People say you should have a wall of fame in your studio because we have had lots of names through. And whenever I get asked a question, I can never remember who we've had. Well, I think you were telling me before Martin Sheen yeah, had just left. We kind of keep it under the radar. And we don't take photos or share much on social media because we like to just be a bit discreet about things and yeah. be normal. I know. I don't want thousands of adoring fans at my door. I mean, you've had French and Saunders, Martin Sheen, Stuart Alford. I mean, what else do you want? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> One of our producers, Lisa Hartwell, we had Hugh Dennis in. Oh, yeah. And it was very funny because she walked into the studio and saw this stranger stood there and she goes, <laughs> you look just like Hugh Dennis. And of course it was. That's because I am. Well, yeah. yes. I heard Rowan Atkinson interviewed on Graham Lawton and he was saying that somebody came up to him and said, you look just like, you know, that Mr. Bean, you look just like him. And yeah. he said, well, actually I am. And then the guy didn't believe him. He wouldn't believe that yeah, he was. Exactly. He, well, you came to me. I didn't come to exactly. you. Anyway. Who believes I am who I say I am? Well, quite. I mean, uh, who are you? I have no, no so idea. You started this business quite a while ago. Do you remember what it felt like, that moment when you say, I'm going to do it. I'm going to start my own business. We're going to go out on our own. Petrifying. Mm. Mm. At the time, because I was working with the radio station, I was, what was I doing? I've done so many roles there when it was Plymouth Sound. I wasn't a presenter when it first started. I was actually a sales and promotions person. So I was doing that job, literally nine to five, finishing work at the end of the day, then setting up the business. And in a very similar style to what Paul Burton was saying, he had the encouragement and the support from his management at the time Mm. when he was working in publishing. My sales and promotions director, Linda Nee at Plymouth Sound, gave me a lot of advice and said, don't just stop now here and then go and do things. We'll help you because we believe in you. Mm. And they gradually gave us production contracts. So we're making the commercials for them and for various other stations within the network. So they kind of helped. And I learned an awful lot by doing those Mm. jobs. And in fact, I've learned an awful lot along the way, actually. I'm sure you have. And if you could go back, however long that was. Officially 1998, but it kind of built up. 22, three years ago. Mm. If you could go back 23 years and whisper in your own ear, what would you say? Don't spend everything. (laughs) (laughs) Don't take things too personally. Mm. I've got a real problem with that. If I go to a pitch or I put together a proposal or we lose a client, which you do, and we've lost some big ones over the time. I really do get upset about it. Yeah. And well, it's very stressful. personal when it's a business. Really it's your personal. baby. Yeah. But people do move on, don't they? I mean, it's mm. not a reflection of you. I mean, people try different businesses, different clients, different creatives for different But even things. when people say no, if you think you've got a genuinely great idea for someone, yeah. sometimes it's not about the revenue. I mean, we don't make huge, huge margins of what we do. Sometimes it's we really have a good idea and we want to put that in front of a client and we just think it's going to be bloody awesome. And they still say no. And I can't take it even now. Yeah. If you'd like to feature on a future episode of In Conversation With, send an email to info at freshairstudios.com. You've probably answered the question about the lowest lows on this journey, but what's the highest highs? What's the bit that you remember thinking, that's fantastic? The highest highs when you walk around the office and not at the moment because everybody's remote working, but I remember a point when we were still based at our house, which was thankfully we're not there anymore because it was too much of an overlap between work and personal Hmm. life. But we were at the house and I think we had 10 people producing things at once across the two businesses that we have. Hmm. And you walked through the building, it was like 
this is really cool because everybody was happy. And they still are, I believe, Martin, our producer, will answer that question. Mm. Everybody was happy. There's a good spirit. There's a real, I know it sounds really corny, but there's a real family spirit here. Mm. We break the rule in that we employ friends. And people say Mm. you should never employ friends. And I kind of disagree with that because the people that have been with us the longest have given us an immense amount of loyalty. Mm. They really have given us the heart and soul. And they're just part of a family. It's just that feeling. I think that's the high. Mm. And and the low? The low. When you're rejected from these clients, by the sound of it. I think the business low was probably the fallout of the Brexit decision. Mm. I'm not going to go over the right and wrongs, but at the time, a few of our corporate clients had their B plan. Mm. They had the A plan was let's carry on as normal if the country votes to remain because, hey, no changes Mm. need to take place. But there was a B plan. They had more of a B plan on standby than the rest of the country put, you know, than everybody mm. else did. Mm. And within a period of probably a month after the result, we lost 50% of our revenue. And then over the following year, it came to 75% of our revenue. And I yeah. thought, that's it, we're done. There was one a big energy firm. The head of procurement called me up and she was very honest. She just said, look, there's no reason... F- for sacking you on this contract, but we are red penning all our agencies that we work with in the United mm. Kingdom and we're moving our comms, which is the department we were working for, over to Germany. And mm. we lost, it was just a huge, yeah. Well, speaking of Europe, you've got an office in Budapest, I hear. Yeah, well, it's an apartment. Over there, you're allowed to have offices in your apartment. But when the Brexit thing was happening, we thought, right, what's our B plan mm. going to be? And it's okay, we need to set up a company within Europe that has all the euro trading abilities and capabilities in the European bank accounts. Just in case one of our main clients said, we're moving our operations, we're only going to be sending payments to European-based bank accounts. So we need to get that set up and do it all properly and set up a business over there and improve our networking in Eastern Europe. And that's what we did. And it has helped because two of our contract clients, they were going to move away. And then we said, right, we can actually you don't need to it's all down to how expensive it was to pay us and you know all that kind of stuff and do you have an end goal for fresh air where would you like to see it go when do you think that's a really difficult question because i've got friends who have businesses and they've got exit plans and when you speak to somebody you probably give that piece of advice to you know what's your exit plan Mm. and we don't i'm comfortable with saying we don't have an exit plan because at the moment, I don't have kids. This is my kid. This is my baby. Mm. I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen in the future. I want it to go. I want it to grow. Mm. I don't want it to grow to the stage where it becomes a labor, mm. where it becomes too big that it loses its heart and soul. I want mm. it to remain an SME. But likewise, I don't think we'd sell at the moment or anything like that. That's mm. not our goal. Our goal mm. is to sort our clients' problems in a creative way and feel good about doing it and giving value. And there doesn't have to be an end. I mean, if you're enjoying the journey, stay on the journey. It's yeah. fantastic. I mean, great fun and some of the creative things. You know, I've really enjoyed doing these interviews. It's great. The people you meet, the conversations you have, you must have some real stories going back over the years that we'll have to ask on another podcast. But finally, for our business listeners, if you had one piece of advice about running a business, starting a business or whatever, what would that be? I would Echo back to the thing about not taking things too personally, because that's the piece of advice I actually don't take myself. Mm. And people keep on giving that to me. But the other one, I think, is don't be ashamed about sharing your problems Mm. and asking for the help from friends, your colleagues and, you know, your peers. Mm. And if you've got people within your own personal network who have businesses and you prove to them that you're happy to openly talk about things like revenue Mm. and things like profit margins and 
your future order book is a bit naff at the moment. All those questions, there's nothing wrong with owning up to people that understand those things and asking for a little bit of advice. Obviously, it's best done over a few glasses and, dare I say, bottles of wine. Yeah. But, you know, if you find people that are passionate about business, as passionate as you are about it, then I think a problem shared is a problem halved. Do that. Definitely. And I found when I first started my very first business that one of the major players in that field in the city came to see me and I thought, I'm going to be sort of almost told off. And they just came to say, how can we help? And mm. I was flabbergasted because I thought business will be cutthroat. And, and your business was marketing, wasn't it? Yeah. 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 Well, the so very first was PR. Yeah. And yeah. then merged it with a colleague's company to end up doing all sorts of integrated marketing. But yeah, I found that actually most people in business are just there to help each other and realize we're stronger together, which is a nice segue into what the chamber's about. Connect, grow, succeed. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think, you know, we do work with other media production companies all around the UK because they need to link to us or use our services as a component of their overall piece of production work. And I'd like to work with more production companies in Plymouth. We've got some really good talent here. Mm. As I said on Talkback, whilst you were talking to Paul, we've been working with Paul Burton on some voiceovers mm. for some of his videos. And we know the guys that pushed and I've worked with them before through various agencies that, you know, they're really good. I think you need to sometimes let your guard down and say, you know, if we work together as a team on certain projects, because occasionally we're too small to take on certain projects and we yeah. say we need some help with this. And I think, yeah, teamwork. Yeah. God, that sounds really naff, doesn't no, it? No, it doesn't. There's more to be gained in working together. We're much stronger together, which is what the chamber's about. Indeed. Uh, Paul, thank you very and much for joining us. And we've been members of the chamber since 1998. Wow. Yeah. I think, so I'm told our longest continuous serving member is GA Solicitors, but we can't trace how far back that goes. Our oldest member, and she wouldn't mind me saying, is Suzanne Sparrow, who, yes. I think, is it this year she's 100? I mean, and still working on the business. Actually, I think she's 1,000. Well, she's looking good for it, Suzanne, if you're listening. Okay, thanks so much for, not just for appearing on this podcast, but also for your help in producing this series, which has been just a pleasure. Thank you very much. Thank Paul. you. In Conversation With is produced by Fresh Air Studios. Full audio production services for podcasts, live links, and corporate communications. Visit freshairstudios.com. Presented by Stuart Elford. Produced and engineered by Paul Philpot. Edited and mixed by Martin Burgess Moon. Production support by Lisa Hartwell. Copyright Devon and Plymouth Chamber of Commerce and Fresh Air Studios Limited. All rights reserved. <laughs>